Uh, let's get into the teaching today. One of the things I want to do is I always have people stand for the reading of God's word. Would you stand as it is my custom? Here's what the Bible says. John chapter 1. We ready? Everybody say, I'm ready. ready. Come on, I'm ready to learn. Ready. I'm ready to grow. Ready. Let's get into it. All right. This is what the Bible says. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. I love this, but it says, the Bible says, John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. I have to pause for a second because in this text, John represents a servant, not a savior. Now, this is why this is important is because John was a witness to testify of God's plans and God's power. I need to say something to you, and the faster you can acknowledge this in your life, the better your life will get, is ultimately you're not the main character in this whole story of life. Jesus is. And the faster you can recognize and realize that the world does not revolve around you, it revolves around the sun. And I'm not talking about the sun and the stars. I'm talking about the son of God. The faster you can recognize and realize that, the better your life gets. The reason this text is emphasizing the fact that John the Baptist is not the light himself is because people have this propensity and this proclivity to deify other people. This is what we call worship. Is everybody worships something. The question is, what do you worship? Is do you worship your body? Do you worship yourself? Do you worship your feelings? Do you worship other people? Or do you worship Jesus? And this text is highlighting that John himself was not the light. He was the preparer of the light, which is Jesus. So this is what this keeps on going to say. Uh, the one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created. But watch this, everybody. The world did not recognize him. Such a sad text. The world did not recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. They didn't receive him. They rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Now, let me unpack this quick theological concept, which is this, is that many people think that they are children of God. But children of God is based off of your choice and your decision. Is all of us were created by God, but it doesn't necessarily mean you are a child of God. A child of God is when you get in direct relationship with Jesus and you become his son. And so you become a child of God with a relationship with Jesus, and now you and the Father are one. So some of us are creation, some of us are children. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passions or plans, but a birth that comes from God. Let's skip down to verse 16. This is what the Bible says, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cue you in a second because we need to take a little praise break for this. Uh, from his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. I just got to ask somebody in the room, has God been good to anybody in here? Come on, Framingham, TC. Has God been good to you? I don't know about you, but it's crazy to me that I look at my life, I look at my family, my two boys, I look at the influence that God has given me, the platform and the opportunity to be able to speak to people. I shouldn't be here. I don't know about you, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Come on, can we give God praise one more time for what he's doing in and through our lives? I just know for me, I just know for me that I'm just so grateful because I made some stupid decisions in my days and God somehow, someway just redeemed it and turned it all around. I don't know if that's your story. I can tell you that's mine. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. I love this. He has revealed God to us. He's revealed God to us. I want to preach from this subject today. Heaven came down. 
Heaven came down. And I want you to high-five your neighbor and say, neighbor, get ready, get ready, get ready. You like that, Pops? <laughs> you guys can be seated. You guys can be seated. Somebody came up to me and they said, I would love a Connect Church t-shirt that just says, get ready, get ready, get ready. Anybody would buy that? And then we have PD on the back just going like this. That'd be awesome. <laughs> let's pray, let's pray, let's pray. We need your Holy Spirit in here. Father, we love you. Thank you, Jesus, for this time we share together. Help me to speak your word with boldness, clarity, and truth. Uh, to be honest, for whatever reason, I've been nervous about this one. Um, and I want to be able to accurately communicate who you are to these incredible people. I think this, this season oftentimes can be so misconstrued and we get things wrong uh, during the Christmas season. We think it's about getting gifts and it's really about the ultimate gift. And so help us to have the proper perspective and help me to communicate this clearly. Help us to see Jesus today, to hear from heaven and encounter the power of God. We love you, Lord. It's your son's precious name that we pray. And everybody said? Come on, everybody said? Amen, amen, and amen. Thank you so much, brother. Um, I would like to start off this preaching presentation by highlighting a special group of people that just recently graduated our Leadership Academy. We call this CLA and Connect Leadership Academy. Here's one thing I want you to know. is we have some incredible graduates, both young and old, all different types of generations, ethnicities. But we had 16, 16, 17, 16 people that graduated from CLA just two Tuesdays ago. Now, these are people that have invested in themselves, and these are people that have uh, gone through two years of a uh, maturation process and both a spiritual journey but also training. And one thing I just need you to know about your church is our church is way more about people than a production. Is We care way more about developing big people than a big church. We actually believe that as we develop big people, what happens is people grow and the church becomes bigger. But we don't just want a big church, we want a healthy one. And so one of the things that we do is we love to invest in younger generation, older generation, people that are just hungry to grow. And all these people that you see in this, in this picture right here, we want to honor and congratulate. Can we one more time just honor all of our graduates across all of our campuses? We want to honor them because all these people have gone through a two-year journey that was an intensive journey with homework assignments, small groups, pastoral care, tons of training, and they've all graduated. And we just want to say we're so proud of all of our CLA graduates. So, so proud. Now, the reason I'm highlighting this is, one, to honor them, but two, to communicate a principle, and it's this, is that many people want to change their life, but they don't change themselves first. And I believe this with my whole heart is that seasons change with time. But cycles change when you do. I just said something that I need to make sure you guys heard. Is seasons change with time, but cycles, patterns, issues change when you change. And so we have invested in these people, and some incredible stories came out of it. Let me tell you one story that was amazing, my favorite story of this past semester. Uh, so I'm walking in. I'm a little bit late. I'm coming from a counseling appointment down at the offices. I'm walking into the church, and uh, the, uh, one of the guys, the staff, that we hired who do catering, which, by the way, we feed people because you always know the Holy Spirit shows up when God's word is opened up and food is also there. Praise God. <laughs> Not only was it good food, it was steak tips. Does anybody else feel the glory of the nations? Uh, so I was walking in, and uh, this guy's walking out. He's on staff there. And I say, oh, what's up, man? It's so good to see you. He goes, man, I just love this place. And I was like, oh, man, th thanks so much. We appreciate you saying that. He goes, and a lot of people don't even know my story. And he just starts opening up with tears in his eyes, actually. So I was like, oh, whoa, this is turning into a counseling appointment real quick. 
And so he goes, actually, the last seven years, seven years of my life, I was actually wheelchair ridden. And I was, I was sitting in a wheelchair because my legs weren't working. Now, and, and I, somehow, some way, like, I really recovered from that. I was like, that's incredible, man. And he goes, but, and this is where he got emotional. He goes, in the last year, I've been battling for my life because I got diagnosed with cancer. And, and I didn't know that. So he said, anytime I come into this place, these people are incredible, and they're praying for me. People hug me. They love me. They don't even know me. And I just got a report from the doctor that I'm cancer-free. I was so happy about that. So I, I turned to my neighbor. I gave him a big hug. I was like, my man, I'm so pumped. I'm so excited for you. And I go, my friend, do you, do you, have, like, do you have like a home church or something like that? And he goes, well, honestly, I, I, I went to church when I was younger. But anytime I come here, this just place is special. And you know what? This is my home church now. And I was like, that's right. That's right. I was like, that's my church right there. And I'm so proud of my church. I love the church that we are a part of. I love the culture that we have. And, and I was reflecting on this story, and I, I began to think and, and draw some lessons out of this. Because a lot of people uh, go through their life, and they don't, really have, um, they don't really think that God's communicating to them. And this man was going through a lot of seasons of suffering. He was going through a lot of struggles, a lot of, a lot of issues. And I thought of this reflection, and I want to give you this little list of, uh, of how God speaks to us when you don't read the scriptures as much as you often should. Here's what I would say is God speaks to us through three different things. If you don't read scripture, God speaks to us through saints, through suffering, or through seasons. He will give you, because how many know God has ways to communicate with you. Is God loves you. He wants to speak to you. And his primary way he communicates is through his word. Now, for some of us and for some of the people even outside of the church walls, uh, God still is constantly communicating to them. And I would say these are primary ways that God speaks to us when we're not opening up his word on a regular basis. He speaks through saints. What is that? These are people that come to you and give you wisdom and warnings. What is suffering is oftentimes, listen to me, everybody, and many of us are probably in this room because of this, is that Christ is revealed in crisis. As we go through seasons where we got problems, we got issues, we got struggles, and what happens? Now we get humbled, and what happens? We turn back to God. The problem is when we go through seasons of suffering, we turn to God, but when we have seasons of success, we run from God. Because our human nature has this natural tendency when things are good, we don't need God anymore. We have to mature out of that to realize that our greatest blessings didn't come from our own hands, they came from God's. Can I get a better amen than that, everybody? God will use saints, he will use suffering, but he will also use seasons. And seasons like this will be as, and serve as reminders for us of what this season is all about. Now, let me, let me highlight something for you. Uh, the Advent season, which is the season that we're in right now, the Christmas season, has a reminder or a built-in lesson in it. But let me first highlight the Easter season. The Easter season, we celebrate Jesus getting up. The Advent season, we celebrate Jesus coming down. Is that humanity met with God, and that divinity became humanity. Now, you may have heard this story as a young child, as a young man, as a young girl, but can we for a second just pause and just think about how crazy that thought is? That God came to earth. Selah. God became a man. And our whole faith, you might be thinking, that's actually kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, our whole faith is built on a miracle. 
Now, here's what I would say, just a little apologetics, a little lesson for you. Uh, I have a greater faith to understand that I can look at the universe, I can look at creation and realize that our whole life is revolved around this fireball in the sky, and we are rotating around all these other planets, and that we are far enough away from the sun, and we are far enough in distance away from the sun, where we don't burn or we don't melt. I can understand that we're rotating around the sun. I can handle a virgin birth, all right? Like, we just have to understand something, that miracles happen on a regular basis. Our whole faith is based off of this miracle that God came down to earth, born of a virgin, and lived a perfect and sinless life. This is what our faith is based off of, everybody. God came down. Now, we celebrate the Easter season, which is all about the resurrection. The, the Christmas season is all about what we call the incarnation. Now, many of us might think uh, we've heard this term before, but I want to explain this term in greater detail. And Pastor Derek, even next week, is going to explain that in his whole Christmas sermon. It's going to be excellent. But there are implications to this. This is my whole prayer for this message, is that many of us would understand, first of all, what the incarnation is and its implications of the incarnation. And that's what I want to help you with a little bit today. But first and foremost, uh, we have to understand that this season is a reminder of Jesus' coming, but also that he's coming back. That's what this is for. It is a reminder that Jesus is coming and he has come. But I want to give you this little theological concept and construct, and I wrote it out on the screen so it's going to help you guys. Here's the purpose of the incarnation. Can you guys handle this today? You guys ready to learn in church or no? Okay, okay. Here's what it says. The purpose of the incarnation. Ultimately, it's answering this question. Before you read it, it's ultimately answering this question. is how can we become godly when we don't know what God looks like? How, if, we're, if we're called as spiritual believers, as, as people that are growing in spiritual maturity, how can we become a visible Christ on earth if we didn't know how Christ was to look like, right? So how can an invisible God become visible through us if we don't know what he looks like? Ultimately, that's the problem that Jesus solves. Is God says, I am going to send my son to show you what I look like. This is what the purpose of the incarnation is. God is an invisible, omnipresent, perfect being. The solution, Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. Jesus. Come on, I need some Pentecostals in this house. Say Jesus. God incarnate. He was one person in two natures. Full divinity and full humanity. God the Father sent Jesus the Son as an example of what he looks like. Pause right there for a second. You need to understand something about Jesus. He is not just your Savior. He is also your example. So, the whole scripture teaches, we have to understand and teach the entire counsel of God. What this means is this, is many churches, many communicators will teach oftentimes on the death of Jesus. If you only focus on the death of Jesus, well, we're teaching Christians how to die. But Jesus didn't just die, Jesus lived here on earth. So we have to teach the full counsel of God, which is to communicate both his life and his death. Because we don't want to just teach people how to die and go into eternity. We want to teach people how to live like Jesus lived. That's why he is not just our savior. He is also our example. And here's something you can write in your notes. It's this. is that Jesus didn't just make a way. He showed us the way. That's the purpose of the incarnation. Now, go to the next slide. John 14, 9 says this. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. God the Father is like Jesus the Son. He came in incarnation and he rose in resurrection. I wish I had some people of faith that just shouted amen right there. I'm feeling loose this morning. I don't know what it is, but I just, maybe it's the Celsius I drank earlier. Wow! I'm kidding. Uh, he was born in poverty and he ascended to a throne. He died on the cross, but now he wears a crown. 
This paradoxical combination of deity and humanity describes Jesus' ministry. And this is why he is referred to as both the Son of God and the Son of Man. Is this starting to make sense, everybody? Why he's both referred to as the Son of God and the Son of Man. Jesus' incarnation is a model for us to follow because it is the best route to success in your work, family, and relationships. Because when we humble ourselves, God will exalt us. Amen, everybody? Is that helpful? Make sense? The purpose of the incarnation is to show us what God looks like. So how can we become godly if we don't know what God looks like? Well, ultimately, this is why Jesus came. Is anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Is Jesus is perfect and good theology. And many people can open up the scriptures and you can get your interpretations of what you think the scriptures say. But if you don't look at the scripture and then you look at does Jesus look like this, then you will have an inaccurate interpretation of the scripture. Jesus is what we are to look like. This is the spiritual maturation process. Make sense, everybody? Let me give you this little story real quick as we get into it. Um, I remember post-service, a young man came up to me, and he was emotional. And he comes up to me, he pulls me aside, he sits me down. He says, I've been going through some counseling, and, uh, you know, I, I didn't really have my dad growing up. My stepdad and I don't have the best relationship. And he goes, uh, I have, have, I've been talking with some counseling. I, I realize that I have some rejection wounds. And I kind of see through a lens of rejection because wounds and your emotions and your injuries will affect your eyes and your ears. Make sense? So your injuries will affect your eyes and your ears. You'll see things inaccurately because you're seeing through a broken lens. Your ears, you'll hear things that people didn't say because you have a filter of a wound. So he comes up to me and he says to me, he goes, uh, you're somebody I respect and I look up to. And I just feel like I'm constantly disappointing you and I just want to say I'm sorry. And he's weeping, he's crying. I mean, it was, like a, it was like a cry cry. And I just told him, I said, don't you dare let the devil lie to you like that. For by no reason, in no way, shape, or form am I disappointed in you. Contrary, it's the exact opposite. I am so proud of you. Now, I'm not going to reveal the rest of the conversation or the details of it, but this kid is a standout of standouts. He's an unbelievable young man. And I was just telling him, buddy, I'm so proud of you. I love you. I embraced him, uh, hugged him, and I just told him, don't let the devil lie to you like that. Why do I say this? I say this because many of us approach God this way. Many of us will walk towards the Father and think, uh, this is why many people are not in church, by the way. is because how many have had this conversation or the conversations you'll have when you're inviting people to church? You're like, oh, if I walked into church, I'll get struck down by lightning. Here's what I would say as you can equip other people. Anybody heard that before? Or I'll be lit on fire or the whole place will be, uh, you know, destroyed in one second. I'm like, just say this. Just say, Pastor Devin's one of our pastors. You're good. That's what you say. All right? You can literally just say that. Uh, I tell people all the time, y'all, I'm a pastor. I got, I got a past too. I made some stupid decisions. I got in trouble with the law. Like, there was a lot of those things like that. So we have to get this theology accurately and we have to see God correctly. Why? Because many people can't approach the Father, they can't approach even church because they're gonna, they think they're going to get struck down by lightning and they think the Father is constantly disappointed with them. That's what happens with so many people, y'all. And so we have to get a proper interpretation. And what is the incarnation? The incarnation will do three things for us. Number one, it will erase misconceptions about God. It will erase misconceptions about God. Let me just tell you to all the people that are maybe newer to our church, newer in Framingham or TC online, uh, for some of us, you just got to know God loves you. He's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. He loves you. He loves you. He is not a father. Listen to me. You can grieve the heart of God. Make no mistake about it. Can God be disappointed? Absolutely. 
but he is a father and he is a good father. When my son, Zion, or Ezra will make a mistake or do something stupid, will I be frustrated? A hundred percent. But it doesn't change how much I love them. It doesn't change that at all. But many of us have misconceptions about God, that he's this angry God up in the sky and he's just like this all the time. That he's a, uh, he's a bouncer outside the club. No, you can't get in. You don't get into heaven. That's how many people view God. And if, he re- if we realize this, <laughs> I heard this one quote, it's funny. They go, uh, many of us were dirty sinners, and now after we receive Jesus, all we are is dirty saints. That's it. That's it. As many of us have to realize, we all got some stuff, and if you think you're perfect, you're going to ruin this whole church because there's a whole bunch of people that are imperfect people who make imperfect decisions. But praise God, we serve a perfect God, everybody. Thank God for that. The incarnation erases misconceptions about God. Too, what the incarnation does is it expresses the love of God. Like I said before, God loves you. He loves you permanently. My parents used to say this to me, and it changed the game for me as a parent, great parent printing, uh, parent, parenting principle. They used to say, Devin, there's nothing you could do to make me love you more or love you less. I just love you. Now, for somebody that made a lot of dumb decisions and a lot of stupid mistakes, that really made a big difference for me. <laughs> Is God just loves you. Hey, throw up that scripture there, guys, of the love of God. <clears throat> this is what 1 John 4 says. This is how God showed us his love to us. He sent his one and only son into the world so that we could have life through him. This is what real love is. It is not our love for God. It's God's love for us. See, this is where people get it wrong theologically. A lot of people do this where they say, oh, I found God. Now, let me tell you something. God found you. You didn't find God. God found you. God is a provider, but make no mistake about it, God is also a pursuer. And for some of us, we would not be here, and you got to alleviate some of the pressures of the sovereignty of of your family members or your friends that are far from God right now. Listen to me. God loves them more than you love them. You are not their savior. You are a servant. You are not Jesus. You're John. You are not somebody that is called to save everybody. No, Jesus saves everybody. You serve, you seed, you plant seeds in people, and that's what we do. So this is so important for us. This is what real love is. It's not that our love for God, it's that God's love for us. He sent his son to die in our place to take away our sins. God loves you. How can we tell that he loves us? Because he sent his son to die for you. To die for you. Are y'all getting this today? He sent his son to die for you. You cannot say God doesn't love you because, listen to me, salvation was free. But make no mistake, it was expensive. It was expensive. He sent his son to die for you so that now, number three, he can enable relationship with God. So that when God sees you, you have to understand this, is that now God doesn't see your sin. He sees his son. That now you have the righteousness of, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? That when God sees you, he doesn't see your sin, he doesn't see your shame, he doesn't see your mistakes. What he sees is he sees his son. And he embraces his son. He loves his son. And he doesn't see all your mistakes or your efforts. He throws that into the seas of forgetfulness. He sees his son. Because when God sent his son down to earth, what did he do? He expressed the love of God. He enabled relationship with God. And he erases misconceptions about God. Now, i got to transition for a second. Can you all handle that for a moment? Because it's easy to remember Jesus in these kind of days, like Christmas, Easter season. It's easy to remember him or recognize him in these days. But it's hard to recognize him in the day-to-day. And none of us, I wouldn't say none of us, 
Many of us are not good at recognizing him. Okay, we can see him during Christmas. We're reminded of Jesus. We got to come back to church. We got to get our lives right. We get it. It's a new year. We got to do that. Oh, it's Easter season. Okay, he, well, I got to be back in church. And to be honest, I think many people only go to church or only get in close relationship with God during certain seasons, the C&E Christians, Christian Easter C- Christians, particularly because this is the thought process that is predominant in their minds. And it's this, is that Jesus is relevant during these seasons, but he's irrelevant during my everyday seasons. And we have to switch this quite a bit because you have to recognize God is working in not just these days, but in your day-to-day. Now, this isn't just a prevalent problem in our day-to-day. It was also a problem in the ancient days. Can I give you a couple examples? Thank you, Eddie. I appreciate you so much. I'll give you a couple examples. Um, in Old Testament or New Testament scripture, as Jesus was coming down and becoming, uh, becoming a baby boy into the earth, divinity becoming humanity, Philippians 2, he stripped off his glory, came down to earth. What did he do? He was born of a virgin, uh, born in Bethlehem, born in a little manger. But there was word that King Herod, that he found out in this time that there was a coming Messiah. And now he got, his insecurity became competitive with this young baby boy. So what did he do? He issued a census and he issued a decree that all baby boys under two years old needed to be killed. Why? Because he was threatened. So this insecure king recognized who Jesus was going to possibly be. And so what happened? He didn't, he didn't realize or receive him as a coming king. He saw him as a threat. That's an insecure king. And as Jesus gets older, what happened? He walked back into his hometown in Nazareth. And what did he do? He walked in there, and the Bible says he could only do little miracles there, a few miracles there. Why? Because our faith does not, God has unlimited power, but our faith can limit his power in our circumstances or in our communities. So he literally walks into the hometown of Nazareth with all power, with all glory, with all strength, with all wisdom. He's, omnip- he's omniscient. He's, om- he's omnipotent. He's not omnipresent. He was, inc- he was carnate. But he walks into this hometown, he's got all this power, but we can limit his power because our faith and our familiarity. Many people see him and they go, whoa, whoa, isn't that the carpenter boy? Like, that's Jesus the carpenter. I saw him grow up. And why? They became familiar, and so they labeled him as a carpenter instead of the Christ. So watch this. This is a really important lesson. Is because they just saw him as a carpenter, what, what could he do? He could just build a chair for them. But if they saw him as a Christ, he could build a life for them. Because the God you see is the God you get. And if you see God wrong, you will experience life not right. Because the God you see is the God you get. Also, uh, the religious Pharisees. Is these men were zealots. These men were Bible scholars. These men had the Torah memorized. They could recite verses and chapters and books of the Bible just straight from memory. They read all about the scriptures and yet Jesus says to them, he goes, hold up, hold up. The scriptures testify about me, and I'm right in front of you, and you don't even see me. So this wasn't just an issue today. This was an issue back in the day. You know what's ironic? This is what my dad was teaching me. Well, you know what's ironic? Is the only people that recognized Jesus when he was walking the earth in the New Testament, aside from two disciples, you know who they were? The demons. Demons were the only people, spirits that recognized who Jesus was in his full power and his full glory. Can we recognize that this is a pattern that that not just we have, but humanity has as a whole? So here's what I want to challenge you with is this, is that scripture says that we read it earlier, is these people did not even recognize him in John 1, is they didn't even recognize him. They didn't just not receive him, they rejected him. 
and I think we can do this on a regular basis as well, is ultimately it's this. In the New Testament, they experienced the person of Jesus. In our modern day, we experience the presence of Jesus. And so I want you to keep your eyes peeled during this season to recognize and realize that God is working amongst you all the time. And ultimately, the Christmas season is not about giving gifts, but the ultimate gift that God has ever given humanity, and that was his son. Amen, everybody? So, so here's what I want to highlight, and here's what I want to shout to you guys today. It's, it's this. It's, it's really, I want, I want to give you three reasons why many of us forget or don't realize or recognize Jesus in this season, okay? So really three things. They're going to be really quick. Three things, three reasons we don't recognize Jesus. Throw up the first one is our expectations, our expectations. As many of us, our, our experience will be dictated by our expectations. And so if we think, just like in the Old Testament, many people thought that this, this coming Messiah that was prophesied about hundreds of years before, they thought that this was going to be some kind of political figure a, a domineering king, this man who would take over the earth and the world. And what it came down as is they expected a king, but what they got was a baby. And so because they didn't expect the king of glory, God, this, God the Father, sending down God the Son and born of this little, baby, this little baby boy in this manger, it didn't look like what they thought. So they're like, okay, I'm expecting a king, but we got a baby. Can I just tell you something? This is what happens with so many of us is we can go through life. And we are like, well, where's God showing up? And we think that he has to do this, some big, massive, miraculous thing. Why don't you start paying attention to the little things? Because little things, these little, little miracles can turn into incredible moments. And pay attention to this in this season. Is don't deny what God is doing, but stop having expectations that he has to do all these big things. Is God can just give you this one opportunity, this one little conversation, this one person to give you an open opportunity. Pay attention to the little things. Come on, somebody say the little things is you got to pay attention to your expectations too, your familiarity, your familiarity. Is especially for those that have been raised or been around church for some time, don't allow the message that you've heard many different times to dilute or be an issue for you. Is sometimes we just got to go back and go back to the fundamentals. Instead of being reminded of a new lesson, you need an old reminder. And you need to be reminded that God came down from heaven to earth to not just make a way, to show you the way and to show you that he loves you. God is near to you. God loves you. God cares for you. And he shows that through his son being sent on the earth in his incarnation. But not only that, he rose in resurrection later. Don't allow your expectations, your familiarity, or number three, your priorities. Your priorities. Another way you can say this is your lifestyle. Is This is a season where... Many people get stressed. Many people get busy because it's all about giving gifts. I got to go here. I got to travel to this. I got this party. I got these gifts I got to do. I'm, I'm stressed about all the, all the uh, gifts I got to buy. I got a whole bunch of uh, money that I just feel like I dropped. And they get stressed about this season. This season isn't supposed to be about stress. It's supposed to be about your Savior, Lord. That's what this season is about. And I don't want you to miss Jesus in this season. Um. I remember this one time I was, I was doing my pastoral duties post-service, and I'm downstairs, and I'm greeting people in the lobby, and I'm, you know, showing them love and giving hugs and everybody. And uh, I see this uh, one couple that became great friends as we got connected in the lobby downstairs in the common area. And then as over time goes, uh, we became good friends with them. We went to their house. They came to our house. And then this one time they came back in the church. I give them a big hug. And uh, I find out through this little 
a side conversation I was having is he goes, yeah, actually, she, my girlfriend, uh, she comes from my royal bloodline. I go, like a what? Like a royal bloodline? He goes, yeah, she's from, like, Swedish royalty. Like, her family, like, owns, like, estates. And I was like, Am I, is she, like, a queen? He's like, kind of. I was like, what do you mean kind of? How do you kind of be a queen? And, and he was like, yeah, kind of. I, I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I don't know, immediately something changed in me because I realized I'm speaking to somebody that's, like, actual, like, royalty in a different country. And don't we do this with the Lord all the time? Is we can go about out in our day and some of us walk into church and we just are very common. We're very familiar. Listen, we are celebrating a risen king. We are honoring a baby that was born of a virgin, lived a perfect and sinless life. He, was, he died on a cross, hung high and spread wide on a cross for your sins. But some of us can walk into spaces like this and just be so familiar and so common because he looks like one of us. But let me tell you something, he ain't one of us. He ain't one of us. Is he might look like us, but he comes from a different hometown. His hometown is in heaven. And heaven came down to remind you this, that one day you can get back up. That's what heaven came down for. <laughs> Lastly, I want to conclude, and it's this. This is a scripture in Isaiah chapter 9. This is what the Bible says. You guys get something out of this today? Is that helpful? Isaiah chapter 9 says this. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of greatness, his government and his peace, there will be no end. You know, I love, this, I love this scripture because it highlights some of the names of God. Wonderful counselor. Come on, you need some answers? Do you need some clarity? You need some wisdom? You need a counselor. You need a wonderful counselor. Where are my keys at? Humble, get up here. Uh, you need a wonderful counselor. Two, you need a mighty God. Some of you guys cannot go through the seasons you're going through without not your strength but God's strength. You need a mighty God. If you need some answers, you need a wonderful counselor. You need some strength. You need a miracle. You need a mighty God. You need to understand something. You have an everlasting father. There's nothing you can do that will make him love you more or love you less. He loves you. He loves you. And then the prince of peace. For some of us, especially in this season, because what happens in this season, suffering or our pain is so much more prevalent. Unfortunately, it's a morbid stat, but the reality is, is during the holiday seasons, post-Thanksgiving up until the holidays, the suicide rates are so much higher, and they're higher in combination from this, this little section of, of this year compared to the entire year. It doesn't even compare. So we are so clearly anxious, depressed, struggling, stressful. You need the Prince of Peace. And there's some things that only God can do that a therapist can never do is you need the Prince of Peace. But here's what I love about the scripture the most, is it highlights this word government twice. Anything in scripture is important, but anything repeated in scripture is imperative. So what is it? For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Later on it says, of the greatness of his government and his peace, there will be no end. Why? Is because you need to get under the rule and the reign of Jesus. If you want the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, what do you need? You need to get under his ruling and under his leadership. Is ultimately, if you want, if you want peace, what make Jesus your prince? Is you gotta submit to his lordship and his leadership. And what I want to do is I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes now, and I want to pray a prayer over you. For some of you, you need to get right with the Lord. As you need to get right with your heavenly father, you need to get right with the Savior is ultimately the incarnation communicates to us that God loves you. 
that actually you don't have to find him because he's going to find you. Is that he's provided his son for you so that you could have relationship with the father. But now you need to make a decision to say, I need to make Jesus my Lord and Savior because I could use a mighty God. I could use a wonderful counselor. I could use an everlasting father. I could use some peace. And if that's you today with every head bowed, every eye closed, Framingham, TC, I'm going to dismiss you now. And I want you guys to be able to communicate this to your campuses and those people. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm going to give you this opportunity now to say on three, I need to make Jesus my prince. I need to make him my king, my leader, my ruler, and my authority. The Bible says this, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. And if you need to be in right relationship with the Father or you need some peace, I want you to shoot your hand up on three. One, Jesus loves you. Two, today is your day for salvation. Don't wait another minute for tomorrow is not promised. Three, if that's you, would you shoot your hand up and say, that's me. I need, I need some peace. I need, I need Jesus in my life. I see your hand, my brother. I see your hand, my sister. I see your hand, my sister. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Thank you so much. Is there anybody else? I see your hand and your hand and your hand. We're so proud of you guys. Incredible. Would you repeat this prayer after me? Say, Jesus. Come on, everybody loud. Everybody, everybody loud and proud. Jesus. I need you. I recognize that you came down for me because you love me. So today, I make you my mighty God. I thank you for being a wonderful counselor, my Prince of Peace. I put my trust and my faith in you, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Let me pray for you real quick. Father, I pray you would bless these incredible people. I know this is a season that is difficult for many. Um, it's not an easy one. And so I ask, Lord, that you would give your supernatural peace that surpasses all understanding to be upon them. That, Lord, that there would be a revelation, not from my lips, but from your heart. That they would see that God came down to earth so that you could be in relationship with them. You loved us that much. I pray a supernatural relation, re revelation of how much you love us. And so I pray a peace that surpasses all understanding upon my brothers and sisters. I thank you that our mighty God, if some of them need a miracle, that they would experience a miracle. If there's sickness in their body, we cast it out in Jesus' name. I plead the blood of Jesus over them. I thank you that the love of God and the power of God is prevalent in this house and in this room. And so we honor you and we worship you in Jesus' name.